0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church Podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. I'm fired up? Is anybody fired up? I'm getting fired up. We are in week, I don't know how many of this series called Hello Freedom. But here's what I do know, next week is our last week of it, and we are um, culminating, it is culminating in a baptism a public baptism at the end of the the last service. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. There are several hundreds of people, like thousands in the life of this church that have crossed the line of faith. Um, And we've had a lot get baptized, but there are so many of you that haven't made that public declaration yet. And so I invite you to do that. There's more information about that. But I'm gonna finish this up next weekend. And today uh, we're gonna continue in this series on freedom with our theme verse. If you know it, say it out loud with me found in Galatians chapter five. It says this it is for what for that Christ has set you set us free and I love that because there's no hidden agenda you know sometimes people will ask you something or or or, you know make it sound like they have your best interest in mind or tell you something when what they really have is their best interest in mind you know what I'm talking about or they'll make something sound like it's a win for you but ultimately it's a win for them this is not that this is God simply saying uh, the reason that I sent Jesus here is because you took a bite of that stupid apple and I've been on this journey to restore freedom back to you from the beginning and so that's it no hidden agenda no ulterior motives it is for freedom that Christ wants you free and the good news is, is that Jesus has already procured that freedom for us when he gave his life on the cross for us so it's available to us that we can have it in fact second peter tells us that we have everything we need for life and godliness it belongs to us however if we continue reading we have a responsibility to play in the process of taking hold of that freedom so this is why paul says so stand firm somebody say stand firm today we're going to figure out how to do that how do we stand firm How do we have this kind of resolve in our life to be able to stand firm in the face of storms, in the face of, of trouble? How do we, how do we do this instead of going backwards? Like we know that sometimes you got to take a couple steps back in order to move forward. But, but once we've tasted freedom, which is the goal, then for us not to go backwards, but to stand firm. And he goes on to say, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, when he says that, don't be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What he's talking about is he's talking to this group of Christians, this church that he helped planted in the the region of of Galatia. There were several churches there and there were some wolves in sheep's clothing trying to infiltrate these churches. There were these false, you know, pastors, these false prophets that they would come in and say, hey, hey, we're trying to get you back to some of the, the old law, the Torah, in fact, they were, they were saying, uh, they were too smart to say, you know, Jesus is a false Messiah because Jesus hadn't been gone that long. It's about 40 years, uh, after Jesus ascended to heaven that this was written. And so they, they were smart enough to not say that he's a false Messiah and all that kind of, you know, kind of stuff. So what they said is it's not just Jesus alone though, like Jesus plus plus nothing doesn't equal everything. It's Jesus plus something. And the plus something they were talking about in this particular passage was circumcision. They're like, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus this Old Testament, this Jewish rite called circumcision, which reminds me of a joke. Um, Ask me later and I'll tell you. So that's what Paul Paul is saying. He's saying, of course, Jesus was a part of the salvation experience, but he's not it alone. He's saying he's just a piece of of the puzzle of it. So you can imagine, right, this is messing with a lot of the people now that had just found freedom in Christ, especially the guys. The guys are like, what? You know, I'm not doing that. The ladies were fine with it, but the guys were like, nope, I'm not joining the church. And so they were using this fear-based tactic to try to get them to see that, no, Jesus plus nothing doesn't equal everything. It's Jesus plus this little outpatient surgery. You guys want to hear the joke? Because I know you're sitting there thinking about it and you're like, he, you're not going to be able to listen to anything else unless I tell you the joke. And it's not even that funny. But what do you call a discount circumcision? A rip off. Ah, uh, come on, let's go. All right. I've just had to get it out. So Paul's fired up. You can, as you read this whole uh, letter that he writes to Galatia, the church is in Galatia. He's fired up. He's like, no, this is jacked up. This is, this is wrong. So he comes out swinging. He's protecting his sheep. He's like, no, it's Jesus plus nothing, nothing else. It, you are justified by grace through faith. Not that you could boast about it or brag about it. You had nothing to do with It is Jesus alone. You can do nothing to contribute to your salvation experience. Jesus contributed everything that we need when he died on the cross for our sins. So he says, your job now, church, your job now, Elevate, is, is to, your contri- contribution is to stand firm on the promises I've given you. To never go back to that yoke of slavery. They were using fear to keep them from experiencing freedom. And a lot of you wrote that word on that wall behind us. When you were saying what what do i want to say goodbye to some a lot of you said fear and it could be fear of of a number of different things i'm not going to go into them right now but they were using fear to keep them from experiencing freedom and there are not many things if anything that will cause a person to continually live in a state of uh, of slavery like fear like fear cripples our our ability to find and experience freedom. I'll say it this way, you can write it down. Fear cripples the human soul on so many different levels, does it not? Fear is the great crippler, is the great saboteur of the human soul. I read an article a few months ago um, that struck a chord inside of me and I'm like, oh man, that's good, Uh, that'll preach. And I read about a particular animal uh, that is very special to many of you especially the the bills fans in the room if we got a bills fans that one and then or the F- fort la Buff fans we got a fort la Buff? let's go for la all right fans or if you're just a kevin costner dances with wolves fan this animal is going to be important to you and that is of course the bison check it out here's a bison bison if you don't know anything about bison or Amazing animals. If you've never seen one or eaten one, they are some of God's like best creatures on the planet. They really are. God was in a good mood when he created bison. God God had his coffee the morning that he created bison. Uh, He was in a good mood, unlike the day he created cats and ticks. Lyme disease, right? But he was in a good mood the morning, he created bison. And I read what I read about bison was they do something different than other herd animals like cows and sheep and goats. And when, when a storm comes, in fact, when, when a storm comes, you know, they, they can all sense it. They can smell it. I don't know everything, you know, the size behind that. But when cows sense a storm coming, here's what they do. They go <laughs> and they see it coming and they start like running the opposite direction. Like instinctively, that's what they do because they think and they are under the illusion and it's purely an illusion, but they think they can outrun the storm. And I'm just looking at cows going, bro, you got to lose a few LBs, right? What makes you think you're going to outrun a storm? You know, just drop some weight. And then I'm thinking, actually, don't do that because I want to eat you a steak later on. So keep the weight on. But buffalo do something completely different. When they sense a storm coming instinctively, uh, here's, here's what they do. They look at that storm and they start hard charging towards it. They just, they go, they don't do like cows, but they go and they just start running. That's my, my best bison impression. So they start running towards the storm as fast as they can. And the difference is they get as wet as the cows. They get as tired and as sore as the cows do. They are as worn out from running through that storm as the cows are. But the, the difference is though, cows and sheep and goats and all those other herd animals, they do two things wrong. The first is this, they are delaying inevitable torment because they can't outrun the storm. And so you think, why on earth would you delay inevitable torment? How many of us do that? That thing that we wrote on a sticker and put on on the wall behind us, when we're we're not confronting necessarily, we're delaying inevitable torment. Here's the second thing they do wrong. They lose ground on the direction they were going. Because they instinctively turn around and go back the way they were coming, they lose ground. And so here's what what I, I believe that fear has the power to do in our life. When we start seeing that storm come up instinctively because of fear, because of the sin, we we don't respond like the buffalo. We respond like the cows and like the sheep. And we start, you know, backpedaling and we start backtracking or we start feeling like we can avoid the storm or outrun the storm. We're delaying the inevitable. We're losing ground. And I don't want us to do that. Paul doesn't want us to do that. He says, stand firm. Don't go backwards in this. And can I tell you this? That you will never be as fast as the storms of life. But you ready for the good news? You can be stronger. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' name, you can be stronger. That's what the Bible says. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. You will never be faster. But with God's help and by the power of the Spirit inside of you, you can be stronger when the storms come because they will come. How many of you know it's not an... An if they come, it's a win. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble right? Uh, James says, consider it pure joy whenever you're faced with many, you know, challenges or trials, because we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you so that we may be complete and mature, not lacking anything. Paul even says in Ephesians 6, he uses that same stand firm language. He says, stand firm then against all the difficulties of life. So it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. But some of you we're still cows or we're still sheep. And we still believe that we're faster than the storm. And although you're not, thank God through Christ Jesus, we can be stronger. So today I want to talk about running through the fear, running through the fear because we're not faster. So why would we, why would we run through it instead of, of of running away from it or running around? That's what I love by the way, about the spirit of the Buffalo. And that's what I love about if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And it's the same spirit that has raised Christ from the dead. So we don't have to live in fear. Like we we don't have to, to, to when faced with a challenge or a difficulty or a storm in life, or we're scared, even though instinctively we want to run from it, we don't have to bend our knee to fear. And so how do we learn to do that? When the storms come because eventually they will, they will come instead of delaying inevitable torment or instead of losing ground. And what the word of the, the, the Lord is for us today is we need to look the storms in the eye and say, man, I I may be scared of you, but let's get after it. I may be scared of you and I know you're coming and I can't outrun you, but I can be stronger than you. And to do that, we're going to look at a, a guy in the Bible with the Buffalo spirit inside of him. His name is Joshua. If you have your Bibles, open up to Joshua chapter one. Um, I'm going to read nine verses. That's it. And then make a point and then we'll all peace out and you can go watch the other Buffaloes play on TV. Here's a backdrop of what we're going to read. God's looking at Joshua saying, Joshua, it's your time. Like you're the next guy in line. And you're going to lead my people into the land that I've already promised you. The land that I swore, you know, that you would possess. In fact, he's saying you're going to walk into a new level of freedom. And I think that's what God's calling us to do. Church, you're going to walk into a new level of freedom. You're going to experience a new expression of freedom in your your life. But he says this to Joshua, it's going to take guts. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be moments when you're going to be afraid, he says, because in order to take hold of this promise, you're going to have to stand firm. And he says, Joshua, you're going to lead a bunch of sheep and cows into the promised land that every time they're faced with a battle, every time a, a challenge comes, they're going to want to tuck tail and run the other way. And so Joshua, I need you to learn how to stand. And I feel like that that's what God's calling us to do. Colby, as you lead. You know, the church and the finding freedom in this season, there's going to be people that want to, that want to go backwards. There's going to be people that want to tuck tail and run when, when challenges come up and go in the opposite direction. He says this, Joshua, I'm calling you to teach them what the, the, the Buffalo warrior looks like. In fact, that's why you're getting the job, Joshua, because like your predecessor, Moses, you know, you have that Buffalo warrior spirit And so this is what he says. you got to learn some things. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Is everybody there? It'll be up on the screen too if you're not. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, uh, give to the Israelites. Now listen to this. This is one of the, the first of several promises that God rattles off. He says, I will give you every place you set your foot. And how many of you know that's a great promise the, the, the promises in Christ Jesus are yes. And amen. The Bible says that God is not like man, that he should lie. So if God's word says it, it's true. You can take it to the bank, right? I know we all just, like, if that's not the truth, then why are we here today? If we're not putting our foundation on the promises of God and his word given to us, like, why even bother? But Joshua, he had seen firsthand the miraculous. He had seen firsthand the promises of God fulfilled through Moses, right? He spent his whole lifetime seeing that. So he knows God is who God says he is. And so knowing that, you would think maybe the conversation should be over at this point. Like if I'm Joshua, I'm going, all right, you know, let's go. Do we even need to take weapons into the promise? Do we even need to fight any battles? Can we just roll up and say, hey, this is ours now, right? Um, Maybe Joshua's got a little swagger, a little, you know, he's cocky. But God continues on. He says this in verse 4. Your territory, Joshua, will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, here's another promise. No one will be able to stand against you. All the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, why on earth would God tell him that? Because here's this young, fired up man of God. I don't know if you remember, but 40 years earlier, he was one of the only ones, him and his friend Caleb, that said, we can take the promised land now. Let's go now. So why would God in this moment, knowing Joshua's spirit, tell him, I'm not going to leave you though. Don't worry, I'm not going to forsake you unless God knew something that Joshua didn't know. Unless he knew there was going to be some challenges, there were going to be some storms coming. There was going to be some some trials, it, there was going to be moments where it felt like God had abandoned him. And I say that because that's where some of you are today. You walked into this building or you're watching online because you've had that season or you're in the middle of it right now where you feel like God's left the building in your life. So he told Joshua, listen, I'm not gonna leave you. You just need to know that. I just need to remind somebody here today, God hasn't left you. I don't know what you've gone through, but he hasn't left you. That's a promise from God. Then he keeps this pep talk going. He says this in verse six. So be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you're going to lead the people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. And I just kind of picture God uh, with his, you know, looking at Joshua. Maybe he's got his hand on his shoulder. Say, hey, Joshua, I'm serious, man. You need to be strong. You need to be, be courageous. And Joshua's, you know, kind of got that warrior spirit in him. He's like, all right, let's go. We can do this. I'm, a, I'm ready to roll up in there and, you know, let these other, you know, kings have it. But God's serious. He said, no, no, Joshua. I need you to pay attention to this. It's going to take guts. It's going to take courage. It's going to take take strength. If you want the promised land, you want the land of milk and honey, hey, elevate church. If you want freedom, I'm serious. It's going to take courage. It's going to take strength in order to take hold of that freedom. So God looks at him again just to make sure he understands how serious he is, because he's already told him to be strong and courageous. And Joshua's like, let's go, but look at it again. Verse 7, he says, be strong. And then he says, what? Be very courageous. F- courage and freedom, they go hand in hand. Courage and freedom are, 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 are hand in hand. And sometimes we don't understand the importance of, of courage, because we could read this and be like, Colby, I, I get it. It takes courage to have freedom, but I'm not Joshua. I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I'm not, I don't have that kind of strength. I don't have this kind of, of courage, right? But, but God doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us how to do it because he says, Joshua, I'm not done yet. And he puts his hand back on his shoulders and he says this, be careful. Be careful because while courage and freedom go hand in hand, so do courage and careful. You have to have them both. Courage and careful are not opposing quality uh, characters, character qualities. He says this, be careful to what? Obey the laws my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from them. Don't turn from the laws, don't turn to the right or to the left, that you may be what? Look at it, successful wherever you go. Does anybody want success wherever you go? I want that, but it's conditional. He says this, keep the book of the law always on your lips. God's word, he says, meditate on it day and night. And there's our word again, careful, be careful, right? Because you can't be courageous. If you're not careful, be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Success in God's kingdom has conditions. Success for our freedom Success in us possessing the promises that God has has given us or wants to give us is conditional on our ability to obey Our freedom is conditional our freedom is found in our ability to Obey I want to stop here and just just talk for a minute and make this point that there's a direct connection between courage and God's Word in your life There's a direct connection and sometimes when we picture courageous people, we always picture that person that is like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll charge the hill. And don't we all have that friend in high school that was the one who would do anything, right? I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to jump. You know, I'll drink that. I'll smoke that, you know, whatever it is. And there's something inside of us too when we have that friend. I was that guy, by the way. Maybe, actually, I was gonna say not the drink and smoke part, but actually, yes, I was. So I was that guy. I would roll up like, like, spices in my mom's spice rack to try to smoke that as like a middle schooler. I don't know. Whatever. You pray for me. Often. Often. Where was I? What was I talking about? Oh. We all have that guy. Don't be that guy. But sometimes, how many of you know what, what we believe is courage is also plain stupidity? but we have to have these two to go together. He says, my my written word, Joshua, is an essential part of being courage, of having courage, reciting it, memorizing it, meditating on it. He says, always keeping it on your lips, obeying it, not turning to the left or to the right. You You have to practice courage and the way you practice it is through my word. This is why I love first responders. Like if you're a first responder, you you have courage and you don't have courage just because you're just, you're just going to run into a building. You do it because you've been trained to have it. There are protocols in place. You've gone over, you know, scenario after scenario, after scenario, your courage is a result of careful training. And that's what God's telling us about his word in our life, that there's this connection. We can't be courageous. We can't find the freedom that he has for us if we are disconnected from his word. Second Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God may be fully equipped for every good work. Like that's his word. You cannot have the buffalo spirit. You cannot stand firm. You cannot find the freedom that God wants you to have if you have an anemic relationship with the word of God. You just can't do it. It's impossible because you'll be overwhelmed by fear. You'll be overwhelmed by, by doubt. And we don't, we don't dive into God's word to check a box, to make God happy. Like we sat under his, his teaching for the day and we've been given the word of God because it's the word of God that cultivates faith in our life. And faith is the fuel that fires up the courage in our hearts and in our lives that leads to freedom. Are you with me? So it's the word of God. Romans 10 says faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. So God's word isn't a nice idea to your freedom. It's essential. It's a critical component to us being free because when we're facing storms and everything in us wants to cower and everything in us wants to backpedal and, and go the opposite direction, you'll have faith because you've meditated on and you've recited. When you are faced with those moments, you'll have God's word hidden in your heart where you can say, Nope, this is, this is not my battle. This is his, that he is, he is greater in me, right? Than he is in the world. You'll be able to say, I can do all things through Christ. You'll be able to say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb because you've spent time reciting and meditating on the word of God. And when you learn the word of God, it's the game changer in your life and in your fight for freedom because you begin to recognize the voice of God in your life. You need that to fight. So courage begins to rise up. When you know God's word, you'll be able to run into things that everybody else is running away from. And when people look at you and say, man, how can you face that? How can you face that that fear of of the past or fear of the failure or fear of of other people and get to where you, you are? You'll be able to say the difference maker is a rich relationship with God's word because I've hidden it in my heart. And so being courageous isn't throwing caution to the wind, right? And blindly going, I don't care what's going to happen. It is a calculated courage that comes from knowing God's voice. And knowing God's voice comes from knowing God's word. So he goes on to say this in verse nine, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. He just tells them again. And I want you to note real quick that courage in this statement is not a suggestion. It's a command. That's how important it is. I'm commanding you to be courageous, but you can't be courageous apart from my word. Why does he say this to Joshua? Because he knows he's going to go through Canaan and there are going to be some people that don't want him there. He knows there are going to be some battles he's going to have to fight. He knows there's going to be some some situations, right, where he has adversaries that that don't want the best for him. That he's trying to come take over their land and God's going, yes, I promised it to you. My promises are yes and amen. They're good. You can take them to the bank. But you still have to stand. You have to be strong and courageous and careful to obey. And one of the most important things to remember about fear, look at this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some versions say fear, some say timidity. Given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of what? Of power and of love and of self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. You can't have an active, thriving relationship with the word of God and not be disciplined. It takes discipline, doesn't it? To get up and crack that thing open and, and dive into God's word. It takes discipline. So you need to have discipline. Power, we've talked about that. Men, you have to have the, the power of the spirit inside of you to help break those chains that want to keep you locked up and keep you from the freedom God has. But look at this middle one, because I, I want to I finish talking about this. Love is one of the keys to conquering fear. We don't think about it often, but love is a key conquering fear in your life. And I want to show it to you in 1 John 4, 18. This is so important. It says this, there is no what? There is no, say it out loud, fear in love. There's no fear in love. You're going to run through that fear. You're going to charge that storm. There's no fear in love. Those two don't get to coexist together. He says there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with what punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect yet in love fear has to do with punishment and i just want to remind you we are gospel people that that jesus and i say this in some way shape or form every single week jesus took your punishment god does not Punish you. We are not in a system of religion where it's you do bad and and this happens and punishment this or that. That's not to say that God doesn't discipline you. And we talked about that last week. Go back and listen. God disciplines those that He loves, but the punishment that we deserved, the punishment that brought us peace, He placed on His Son Jesus, right? And He took that punishment on our behalf. But God doesn't punish you and I. So this means when fear is winning out in your life, you know what's happening. There's still some level of conversation happening between you and God, and you don't believe you're good enough. You don't believe that God can see you through that storm. You don't believe that really you can have that freedom and find that that life to the full that Jesus has promised you. We don't really believe we can get to the other side of this, which is why John says this, No, the one who fears you haven't really yet been made perfect in love. And here's what I know about all of us, including myself. We all have a very small understanding of God's love. Like I hope it's getting bigger. Like mine's getting bigger and better every single year. I'm understanding a little bit more of how much God loves me, but guess what? I still deal with fear, which means, God's love for me is still more than I can imagine. Because I have not been made perfect yet in love, which is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3, he's writing such amazing stuff about the gospel and he's telling us how beautiful it is and what Jesus has done for us. He literally stops and he's like, wait, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write this prayer down. This incredible prayer in Ephesians 3, 18, he says, I pray that together with all the other saints and believers that we would be able to grasp what? How high, how wide, how deep, how broad the love of God is in Christ Jesus. Paul knew something that we should know how important understanding how God loves us and the level of love he has for us is what conquers fear in our life. Like He, he got that. Of all the things he could have stopped and prayed about, he stops and prays that we would understand just how much God Loves you so much. Of our dysfunction, so much of our our fears that we carry when it comes to things that we don't want to confront or or hit face on that we run away from with the the delusion that we can actually outrun that thing or that we can avoid it altogether comes from fear, and it's a it's a, a lie. Fear is a liar because you will never be faster than those storms in your life, but you can be stronger. And so instead, like the Buffalo, right? What we want to do as a church is run into it. So what fear do you have that you need to run through right now? What fear do you have? You could be, maybe it's fear of man. Maybe it's fear of, of being rejected by some people. Maybe it's fear of of failure. If that's your fear, can I just, can I just say this? Go and fail, go fail. Because if you have been made perfect in Christ Jesus, guess what, there is no no fail. Like failure is is nothing more than a mentor in your life because all you do is you just start again, wiser and smarter the next time. So go fail. Somebody here needs to hear, failure is never fatal. Failure is never final in your life, just just go fail. I don't know what what your fear is, but we need to confront that fear. And so that on the the back end of it, confront that storm and run through it. You could say, yes, you know, I may be sore. I may be tired. I may be wet. You know, like the the buffalo headed through it. But I'm still standing. In Jesus' name, I'm still standing. Colby, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Yes, you can. You can have that spirit of the buffalo to charge those storms. You know, as I was getting ready for this, um, message, I was thinking about everything Buffalo and I was reminded of the Bob Marley song, Buffalo soldier. Anybody know that song? <laughs> Said he was a Buffalo soldier, dread like a roster. <laughs> hmm. Nothing <laughs> fighting for survival, fighting on arrival. You know where that song came from? Let me just give you a little bit of a history. If you don't know, Bob Marley wrote it to honor about 200,000 soldiers that were fighting for their freedom. It was in 1866, I believe, during the the Civil War, there were these African-American soldiers that, that joined the fight. Many of them, because they heard the union, like there was the potential for them to experience a new level of freedom that they never had before. And so these African-American soldiers joined the fight and, and during this particular war, the Native Americans, they were onlookers at this point in time, which they thought was hysterical. They're like, you guys came over to take over this land and here you are, you're just fighting each other. And so they're just watching this thing from a distance and, it, and they were intrigued by the African-American soldiers. They were just blown away by them. And so they started calling them Buffalo, Soldiers for two different reasons. One being they said they're afros. Like we, we don't know what to do with their Afro. It kind of looks like buffalo fur. But they said more importantly, the second reason was because Native Americans they understood the spirit of the buffalo better than anyone. It was their food source, it was their supply. I saw dances with wolves. I I learned these things, right? Tatonka. I'm so old. I'm so old. But they understood the spirit of the buffalo like no one else. And so they understood, even before that we had the science to prove it, they knew that when a storm came, the buffalo did this. And they started charging at that storm, fearless. I'm going through it because that's the fastest way to get through this thing that's in front of me. And so what they recognized was they're like, man, these African American soldiers, the way they fight, they have this valiance about them that the other white boys don't have. And so they said, they're like buffaloes. They're like buffalo soldiers. And this is not, this is not a, a, a race thing. I just want you to hear me say that. There's one race, by the way, it's the human race. And so you just need to know that. This is not a, you know, if, if you're white, how horrible, terrible you are. How many of you know that does nobody any good. That does not move the needle of discrimination, which is a very real needle. It doesn't move the needle of discrimination or inequality. So I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm trying to make the point that when the potential to go back into slavery or the potential to experience freedom and levels of freedom that they've never had before was on the line. You know what these African-American soldiers did? (laughs) They're like, if my kids can be free, if my family can be free, if I can do, I'm gonna charge as hard as I can, even if I die, are you with me? Even if it means giving up my life, I'm going to run towards this thing. and So that's what they did. And that's what, that's what Paul, that's what God's word is, is begging us to do. If you want to find that freedom in your life, you got to stare that storm in the face and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be scared. In fact, it's okay to tell people you're scared. In fact, you should name that fear because as you name that fear, it loses its power name that fear call it, I'm afraid of people call it I have the fear of man call it I'm, I'm afraid of whatever it is name that fear but then you decide and I'm gonna charge at it with everything that I have because it's the only way to freedom that's why God said Joshua you're gonna face it and you can't do it apart from standing on my word so I want us to worship through this thing if you just stand to your feet Right now, we're just going to take a moment. I don't want anybody in this room leaving, leaving without addressing some fear that you have in your life. That we all have different levels of fear. And we all have different storms and things that we're facing. But in Jesus' name, although you can't be faster than it, you can be stronger than it. And you can run through it. And so today, come on, let's run through our fears. God, I just pray right now for everyone in this room, everyone watching online. God, that we would understand that that you have not given us this spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. And so God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that as we, we worship you, we would understand the power that's in our worship and the potential that you have to to move and change our hearts and our our lives, God, and to help deliver us from some of those things that are keeping us from being free. And so in Jesus' name right now, would you you set us free? Would you help us identify that fear? Would you help us have the the spirit of the buffalo soldier rise up inside of us, God, and run after that fear, even if it kills us? What we don't want to do is delay the inevitable torment, and what we don't want to do is go backwards, but we want to stand firm. And so right now, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.